It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. film lovers and welcome to film sociology a film talk show here on wfyi hd to the point and wfyi.org if you have a question or a comment you can email me at m soce that's m s o c e y at wfyi.org i'm also on facebook also on twitter at matthew soce the show is available as a podcast it's also available on itunes and we have a blog which someday will be updated at filmsociology.tumblr.com uh, yes, I am hosting and running the board. Not my choice, but that happens. But I have a couple of uh, old-time guests and friends hanging out in studio with me. First off, uh, actor David Allen Anderson, who is currently on stage. Well, not at the moment because it's it's more it's brunch time. Uh, he is in IRT's production of Fences, which uh, closes this Sunday. No pressure. David, thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Good to see you, man. Thanks. Good to see you here. And, of course, we have somebody who has his own intro, so here it is. No fair. I didn't get one. We'll work on it. I only get an intro because I'm not nearly as cool as you. <laughs> this is compensating. down to this man <laughs> so here's the question David. do you think con zimmer actually recorded that <laughs> or or i'm sorry the guy who actually did it because there's always the talk of it. anyway brian hartz is in studio so you know Hi. that <laughs> as and of course i was thinking of him watching uh batman versus superman because i kept hearing okay dj help me wheel these cellos into the studio <laughs> <laughs> And and for the record, your lovely wife Monica does have an intro, but she has to actually be here for it. All right, but I'll, uh, I'll let her know. But it, it's almost as long as yours, so to speak. So <laughs> there's. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, and of course, Brian is one of the gentlemen of the uh, what is the official name of the Lightsaber Academy? Because I keep calling the it the Indie Lightsaber Academy. The Indie Lightsaber Academy. Do you have tournaments yeah. against the Fort Wayne Lightsaber Academy? Uh, we we do have a tournament coming up, although we don't know of anybody in Fort Wayne yet. Okay, very yeah, good. I'll tell you all about that later. All right, very good. So let's well, let's see. Let's let's go through what's opening in theater. Tough to follow up uh, Batman versus Superman when it comes to size. So we still <laughs> well, you know, Inspector and whatever. Uh, but we have, uh, of course, uh, Tom Hiddleston as uh, as Hank Williams in the uh, biopic "I Saw the Light," which was at Heartland Film Festival. And, uh, and Elizabeth Olsen is in it as well. And uh, to, to reports are. Your standard biopic. I did, I did not have a chance to see this one, but I think of my lovely uh, friend Laura Jansen, who told me many, many years ago, I don't like biopics because they're movies about people. And what she's saying is it's the biopic arc. 
the story arc that we've seen. The story arc that was, I think, per, for me, permanently destroyed by Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, but mm. people still keep making them because they're, they're kind of inspiring and go-getting. So anyway, that is in theaters. Also opening in theaters, God's Not Dead 2. Still, still not dead. He's still even, not dead. Even less dead. Mm. <laughs> too, too dead, too furious. Not dead. Yeah, I don't mm-hmm. I don't get so, yeah. And uh, it's Melissa I, Joan Hart in that one. I know what God did last. No. I no, that's, mm-hmm. I still know. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. still yeah. know yeah. God wasn't dead last time. He's too furious. <laughs> See, I'm, okay, Christian cinema, sorry. If you're going to do a title like that, you're going to be subject to ridicule. I'm sorry. There, yeah. Pretty much. That's that's going to happen. And, you know, and this is all before we finally got, I finally got around to saying Electric Boogaloo. So there. We had so much other material before the obvious one. Mm. Yeah. And uh and then um and then we have the Mike Epps film Meet the Blacks, which apparently is a is a is a parody of the Purge films. Who asked for this? Uh, Mike, Mike Epps. Epps agent. <laughs> there you go. Uh. So that's anyway, those 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 are going up against Batman versus Superman. And as as flawed as Batman versus Superman is, and we'll get into that a little bit, um I Oh, I don't do thumbs. Nope. David's giving me hand gestures. Well, I'm like, what, 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 what was it? I, I haven't seen it. No, that's fine. Uh, up or down? You know what? Yeah, let's, I'll tell you what. Let's, it, it, it's such a big enough film. And and I, by the way, spoiler alert. I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend Marguerite. No, I don't like giving thumbs because then we have to give Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel's families money. So right, right. Um, but no, um, I I thought Batman versus Superman is flawed. It's not the worst film ever. I heard I heard fellow critics say it was worse than Green Lantern. I don't think it's that bad. Um I think it's too ringing long. endorsement. Yeah. That's I, not very ringing. No, it no. is not a ringing endorsement, <laughs> but it's also not the worst film ever. I think we are we are gentlemen of a certain age, which sounds like a show that Ray Romano used to do. Right, right, right. And um I like that show. I, you know what? It was a good interview with Romano yeah, this week on Fresh it. Air. Yeah. A really cool piece. And I'm glad yeah. he's getting to do something slightly different mm-hmm. with uh, with vinyl, which I still need to check out. But anyway, we there are there are people younger than us that like to declare every other thing the best or the worst thing ever. And Absolutely. and that's just it's it's tiring. It's very comic, tiring. Co- comic book guy approach to pop culture. It is yeah. a comic yeah. book. Yeah. yeah. And I and I also think from a chart standpoint, of course I I always imagine like the, it's the manual scoreboard like at tight or at, at Wrigley Field or at the old uh, you know Fenway where you have to keep putting the signs up. Like, that's a lot of moving of charts. Mm-hmm. I don't have time for that. Besides Manos the Hands of Fate, I think is uh, permanently etched in there, isn't it? Uh I think yeah, Manos and the Room, the two Worst cinematic experiences, according to my daughter, and yeah, so see, you know, you cannot bring family services out to my house for that one. <laughs> um, terrible friend, terrible human being, terrible father. It was, you know, it's bad when somebody from Mr. Science Theater says, "Why would you inflict that film on your child?" Mm, wow, and I did that. So anyway, <laughs> um, no, I think Batman versus Superman. It's it's a half hour too long. I don't need any dreams. I don't need any flashbacks. Oh, great, there's a Kevin Costner cameo. Um, I don't need to see Bruce's parents killed for the third time since 1989. How about we just don't need to see Superman and Batman anymore? How well, about that? unfortunately, that's that's not going to happen because, yeah. of course, when they stop making money, yeah, well, that's, that's like, the problem. It's like it's like it's like Xbox Xbox Three comes out, and next year Xbox Four comes out. Oh, we got to get that one. Well, right. technology goes a, a step further. We got to do it again. Do you remember when? Remember when you used to get your VCRs repaired? Yeah. No, you just get the new one, the yeah, next one that comes up, so, which comes up tomorrow. There so you, you might as well. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 of course, everybody, and unlike Man of Steel, it seems like everybody in this film is a Christ figure. Everybody has died for your sins mm. in, in this one. Um, Batman's not dead, too. <laughs> Now we're now we're just mixing. Now we're just throwing titles. In. <laughs> See, the show's gonna fly, but we haven't seen any movies. But we're just talking about who's not dead. Um, and by the way, we will get to dead people we like a little later on. Um, so yeah, and and Zack Snyder is. And there was a fun thing at the screening for the press screening for uh, for the film. There was a uh, recorded message from director Zack Snyder asking us not to give away plot points and spoilers. And I generally am not a mystery science theater person at work. Mm. I will mystery science theater anything. Well, this show is one giant mystery science theater. Uh, or I'll do it at home. But when his intro got done, I said, I'll do it if you change in the Christopher Nolan. Mm. <laughs> and, and he is he is not. He's not going to do that. Now, on the plus side, I like Affleck's approach to... Um, to Bruce Wayne, uh, not enough Wonder Woman. Although, although her presence is much Why is much that? needed. Well, because this is a set. Of, <laughs> oh, she, oh, she only gets seventy percent on the dollar. 
Yeah, she only gets se- you know she only gets seventy uh, percent screen time compared <laughs> to the other guys. No, that's a setup for another thing. And that was the other thing was there is there is a sequence halfway through the film that it the film almost grinds to a halt to give you a preview of characters that will be in future franchise films. Oh, God. Including a, <laughs> including the the man with A. So, Can't wait. Yeah. So, did you see it, Brian? Nope. Thanks. Thanks a lot, there, Beatrice. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, uh, I'll probably be waiting. And thank for you for not being those parents that brings their baby to go see the film. No. No. At least not, not that one. Not that one. No. We will. We will. I, I. I actually, I would like to be there for Beatrice's first film. You probably will. <laughs> well, we can arrange it anyway. <laughs> um. But and and so there's a lot of setup to get to the inevitable fight. Now it is longer than you know Frankenstein versus the Wolfman for you mm-hmm. old Universal Horror <laughs> fans. You know it's not 90 seconds. But probably not as entertaining. Mm-hmm. Probably not as entertaining. But so and yes, the comparisons of uh, of Bruce Wayne turning into like a 9/11 guy because uh, because the city his his building is destroyed at the beginning, and that's that fuels the hatred for Superman because and and there Superman at times is treated like an illegal alien capital I capital A. Is that where the red eyes come in? No, that's that's his heat vision. Oh, that's, that's yeah. Right. Oh, wow, I forgot about that. Wow, nice yeah. nice uh, nice conspiracy yeah. theory there. <laughs> Do you have a paper tin on your head? <laughs> no, and, and of course there is a meeting before Congress with Senator Holly Hunter and and yeah Jesse Eisenberg. By the way, Jesse Eisenberg like Jesse Eisenberg, but somebody made a comparison. If you combined Jer- uh, Zuckerberg with the Joker, or if you get, <laughs> and it's not it's 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 a sad it's a disappointing performance because he goes from slightly twitchy to really twitchy. And there's not a whole lot of wiggle room. Should he there. go back to what what was the the film? Now you see me. Well, the second one should of those he, is coming should, out. Should he disappear? No, he's oh. fine. He's he, what? Do you, that's the other thing. What, you don't turn this down. They're going to write you a ridiculous check. Yeah, I mean, of Jeremy Irons gets to be Alfred. Yes. Now, that's cool. The uh, the Michael Caine approach. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen the film, but I've seen the view <laughs> from the house that that film bought me. Uh-huh. I, yeah, I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 okay. It's not the worst thing ever. But you know, there's there's a lot more interesting films out there if you mm. look. So, and uh, will you rent it? Will you rent it, Brian? Oh, yeah, probably eventually. Okay, that's good. Or, you know, borrow it from somebody who has it. Yeah. Better, better than, than you. Yeah, probably. Okay. I don't know. I I, I, uh, I got burned out on Zack Snyder very quickly. Yeah, he has About, that effect. About uh, two-thirds of the way into 300, as a matter of fact. So. Oh, screaming, fighting. Yeah. Rinse, lather, repeat. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, pretty mm. much. Yeah, I'm not, 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 not a fan of his work. Even I, th- I think when your best film is Watchmen. Mm. Yeah, that's probably which is which is yeah. flawed in and of itself. Yeah. So yeah, that's out there. All right, opening in theaters today that is worth checking out, and I know it's been reported on NPR, and I'm really glad, glad I got to check this out. This was the uh, mm. the 2015 César nominated film called uh, Marguerite, set in Paris in the 1920s, inspired by a true story, and it's a, it, we we go to this lavish mansion. Uh, where there are lords and ladies, and it's a it's a charity to it's a charity event for war orphans from the war, and we have a and there's a group of sing, people that come and sing for the charity event, and the hostess, who uh, really really yearns to be an opera singer, the problem is she cannot sing, mm. and That's and a problem. that is a big problem for the Baroness, and so the question becomes, and and what happens is there is a, a an up and coming female singer who. Um, is interested in her work and winds up working there. There's also two party crashers, one of both of which work for a newspaper and find her lack of talent hysterical and give her a glowing review. Mm. And so the film tackles how do people and this is 1920 and this this could be also really relevant today is how do people handle other people whose talent is less than stellar? And especially we are in a, a such a celebrity driven world these days, especially here in the states. Um, you know, some people are they honest, or you know, what happens with if you uh, don't tell them the truth or don't tell them the truth directly? And uh, and this builds for this uh, for this woman who uh, sees the glowing review, feels she is the next grand dame of opera, and it leads to a climax where she's going to actually she is invited to perform at what is kind of an eclectic recital variety show that's anti-government. And but the fact that she got to sing the national anthem in front of the public um, feels like she is she is becoming uh, the next big star. Mm. 
And it, it builds to her finally putting on a serious opera performance um, in a serious opera hall. Um, you have a butler who who's straight out. It feels straight out like Max from Sunset Boulevard, um, and what and her husband, who's not the greatest character in the world, but uh, you know doesn't cut to the point either. Mm. But but it's it's fascinating to see this because we've I mean it's you know we've all done theater we've all have we've all done stuff on stage and we've seen other people on stage and and whether what level of theater it is because there are there are wonderful actors in community theater and there are you know paid professionals that eh, mm-hmm. we we're, we we don't understand how they got there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's kind of where we're at and yeah. how do you ha- and so the question is how do you handle something like this and that's the gist of the film mm. um what's entertaining of course is her name is marguerite the last name dumont Mm. So at the very least, she could have. Uh, you'll appreciate this. You, at the very least, she could have been a comedic send up, you know. But uh, lead the league and assist. Margaret, <laughs> du- Margaret, Margaret Dumont was the woman in all the Marx Brother movies. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Who, as I said, I think in the com- in the comedy world leads comedy history in assist. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Because I mix uh, sports with my and, arts. And, and the, the the tone of this is. Uh... Difficult to discern from how you've described. Is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Is it's it... a drama. Okay. It is a drama. I mean, there, there's, there's some fun moments in it, but I, I kept thinking about, and, and it's funny that uh, I got to see this film, and we're going to talk about Patty Duke a little later on because last night to prepare for uh, this film, I watched Valley of the Dolls, hmm. which, uh, which I highly recommend. And of course, they, one of the things they, they talk about with that film is it is, a, it is the film version of Valley of the Dolls is the definition of camp. And of course, mm. the definition of camp is something that is not something that is supposed to be taken seriously, but comes off really, really funny. And mm. that's what what these two young journalists do at this first opening event. And by the way, they they had hipsters in the 1920s. We have one kid wearing a monocle. <laughs> I'm surprised we, if we if we go to Fountain Square right now, we, we might find somebody with a monocle there and a sweater vest <laughs> and a sweater likely. vest yeah. and a PBR tall boy. Of course, because <laughs> um, it's cheaper and ironic. Um, but anyway, so it, it, that fascinates me because, of course, longtime listeners of this show know film sociology is a big fan of the film The Room, <laughs> which is, camp, I think, probably the last great piece of camp. Oh, that in Miami Connection, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but And, of course, the director, Tommy Wiseau. Kind of change gears quickly on yes, uh, I, I meant this to be. I meant this to be funny, as opposed to thinking he was making uh, high art melodrama. So anyway, that, I, I think it's a fascinating film, and I think anybody involved with the art scene should check it out because you'll think about now, and it's a really wonderful performance. It's a woman that um, she won the uh, Cesar for Best Actress. Her name is uh, uh, Catherine Frote. And I kept looking through it, and most, uh, almost all French cinema, obviously, but the, the one film I know of note that I remember, sort of remember seeing her in, she was in the 1998 comedy The Dinner Game, which was later remade in the States as Dinner for Schmucks, hmm. where Dinner, oh, di- yeah, dinner Game yeah. was the mm-hmm. comedy where you had to bring, it was a contest where you had to bring as a guest, like, the... Biggest schmuck you could find. Right, right or, right. The, yeah, the most implor- deplorable, whatever, right, so... Right. Anyway, but she's really, really good in this, and there's not a wink or a nod. It it, it is a truly sweet, genuine performance, and you feel for her, uh, especially when they start to bring in tutors and and costume designers, mm. especially building up for the climax of and and it's kind of like a sports film. There is a big game at the end of this film. Mm-hmm. There is a big concert, mm-hmm. so you know it's uh, there's several different possibilities of will she, can she pull it off or doesn't she? Yeah. And and the concert scene is very breathtaking mm. and and. In, and kind of a gut punch in its own way. Sounds so. very stressful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, definitely, definitely worth checking out. Also so reminds me a bit of Dorothy Comingor and Citizen Kane. Yeah, actually, that's that's another good comparison. So you, yeah, you won't be clapping for ten minutes straight. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, actually, I'm, it's funny you mentioned that. There's a group of there's a group of guys in Richmond and gals that I I see movies with from time to time, and we're watching Citizen Kane on Sunday. Oh, nice. Um, I've been inflicting them with enough bad cinema over time that we thought we'd shift gears and, and go see a good film. Mm-hmm. So that and Emma is being introduced to, uh, I think this is her first Orson Welles experience, not including Pinky and the Brain. Might as well start at the top. <laughs> right. and it was, That's I, what he did. I was yeah. Literally, yeah. And it was funny because I was in Chicago a couple weeks ago, and I finally got to see a really nice print of uh, Chimes at Midnight. 
also known as Falstaff's Greatest Hits. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Wells took Henry IV, both parts, Henry V, Merry Wives, and kind of put it in a Cuisinart and made it all about Falstaff. And mm-hmm. it's, it's actually well done. He does look like Santa Claus, but it is Orson Welles. Mm. And it should be noted, it's one of his films that he finished. <laughs> but it, it, it uh, like several of those, it, it took him uh, several years to assemble it, kind of piecemeal, didn't it? I think no, this one I think it only he only had one stop. Oh, okay, it right. was I don't think it was Othello where or Macbeth, and you can say the title you're in a radio station. Don't worry about it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he, as he's spinning and spinning, I'm not spinning. <laughs> Jeez. Actors are neurotic a lot already. <laughs> Saying a title of a play makes it worse. Anyway, uh, but no, this is one I think he only had one delay. Yeah, probably probably had to do a cameo in some big budget film in the '60s, and then went back and finished it. So, yeah. um, so anyway, th- go go check out Marguerite. It's a very very fine film. A um, couple notes: road tripping. If you're road tripping this weekend, and of course, this also depends on what time of time of the day you're listening to this show. Um, down at IU at Kobe's uh, alma mater. Uh, Saturday, April 2nd at 3 p.m., the uh, 2015 documentary Twinsters uh, as part of the International Art House series. At 7 o'clock, uh, Lies of the Fox Ferry. On Monday, April 4th, Grave of the Fireflies Ooh. as part of the fantastic world of Japanese animation. Oh, yeah. Bring bring a couple boxes of Kleenex for that one. Oh, gosh. Gut, that gut-wrenching? Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, man. So there you go. Um, Tuesday, April 5th, uh, the James Nairmore Lecture with Dana Poland as far as the square screen, a reflection of unhip cinema of the 1960s. Uh, that's at 3 o'clock at 7 p.m. Playground of the Native Sun from 2013. Uh, Thursday, April 7th, at uh, 6.30 p.m., The Second Mother from 2015, as, as well as at 9.30 p.m., Lake Los Angeles. And then Friday, April 8th at 9 a.m. 9 a.m.? Really? Um, as a part of the IU Latina Film Festival and Conference, now in Espanol. So those are worth checking out. Over at the Historic Art Craft Theater, mark your calendars for next week, uh, April 8th and 9th at 2 p.m. and 7.30 p.m. at the Historic Art Craft Theater in Franklin, Indiana, A League of Their Own. Hmm. We've seen that, yes? Yes. Shot here. Um, did they, sh- they shot that at Victory Field? I thought it was, was in it like e- Northern know, Indiana somewhere. Or Evansville, I Evansville, thought. Evansville, I thought. Oh, Evansville? Yeah. No. That's, that's, like I said, Southern Indiana. There, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that that is happening, uh, uh, yeah, April 8th and 9th. Okay. And then mark, uh, mark your calendars. The 22nd and 23rd at the Art Craft, it happened one night, which would be fun to see on the big screen. Yes. May 13th and 14th, The Wizard of Oz. Hmm. And May 27th and 28th, Junior. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Excellent. No ticket. Uh, and you, you've heard that the ISO is going to be doing Raiders of the Lost Ark in the fall, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Will they bring in snakes and a giant, a giant ball of rock? I guess you'll have to go to find out. <laughs> I know. So that is happening. And then speaking at the IMA, as a part of their – oh, wait, that's that's not until May. Okay, sorry. The Serial Cinema Series, May 7th, Ernest, Ernest Goes to Camp. <laughs> wow. Well, we were just talking about camp. That, yeah, that's about it right there. Man. Okay. All right. We're going to tell you what. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back after the break, we're going to hear some talk about some titles that are on DVD and Blu-ray. And we'll talk about what Brian and David are up to. And then we have Dead People We Like because we, we don't have time for Dead People We Don't Like. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. <laughs>
Welcome back to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Sosi. Hanging out with Brian Hartz of the Indianapolis Lightsaber Academy. How are you? <laughs> So what what do you what do you have coming up next for the for the academy? What are, how are things at the academy with your your budding class of uh, of young and up and coming lightsaber artists? Uh, it's 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 actually uh, quite fantastic. Uh, you know we uh, we've been around for about a year. Uh, we are teaching classes every Thursday night out of the uh, Circle City Industrial Complex, and uh, yeah, we are treating uh, lightsaber combat as an actual martial art, and we have. Uh, you know, actual uh, heavy-duty prop lightsabers that can stand up to an actual fight and using uh, real fencing techniques. We, uh, we do both stage combat and, uh, and live you know, sparring uh, with these. So uh, it's uh, good for anybody ages uh, 10 and up. And uh, just 5 bucks gets you into your first class. And uh, you can find us on Facebook, Indie Lightsaber Academy. Now, is there, is there a number of classes that need to be taken, or you just kind of come in and out as pleased? Join any time. We do this every Thursday night. And uh, we are also going to be doing some special appearances sometime uh, in the near future. Uh, at the end of April, beginning of May, we'll be at Indiana Comic Con. Uh, so we're going to be hosting a panel and a little mini tournament uh, there. So uh, bring your own lightsaber, and uh, well, you can uh, you can compete uh, for uh, for glory. Um, actually, where does one get a lightsaber? There are actually several manufacturers online that uh, that that make. Uh, combat grade uh, lightsabers. They're they're made with like uh, the blade is a uh, high density polypropylene uh, that's uh, just got a reflector in it, and the hilt uh, has a, a high powered LED in it. So mm-hmm. basically, it's just a flashlight with a stick on the mm-hmm. end of it. But uh, you know, there are some that are they're very well made. You know, you can get some as as uh, inexpensively as about seventy eighty bucks a pop. Mm. Uh, and then of course there are custom builders who go crazy for all the cosplayers and things like that who do things that are upwards of a few thousand dollars which wow you probably don't want to fight with <laughs> no 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 just look at it here, yeah right there. yeah but um yeah we we, we tend we try to keep things basic there are a bunch that actually make the sounds because that's a lot of fun but uh you know ours don't even have uh sound generally uh but you know so. you have students that do that already in class oh yeah yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> reportedly you and mcgregor kept doing that while they were filming uh the uh the star wars <laughs> movies and they had to keep cutting to tell, say uh, you and we're, we're gonna add the sound in post good for uh, him <laughs> yeah because we all would we yeah all of course would we do would that. pretty much Pretty much. I, I guess that's the equivalent if you're playing, if you're doing a cop movie and you have the gun and Bang, you're going pow. pew, pew, pew. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yep. So I guess that could be a new thing in live theaters that if you see a lightsaber on the stage, you know, by the end it has to be used. Mm-hmm. So yes. the gun. Chekhov's lightsaber rule. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you hear the, old, the whole audience go, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Crowdsource sound yeah. effects. Nice. Yeah. That's funny. So, uh, and uh, and David, you are uh, you're doing fences at mm-hmm. IRT, which closes this weekend. But yes, we sir. appreciate you being here. Now, how many times have you done fences? I have done fences four times. Uh, I, I did it at the Phoenix, I think, like eighty nine. Yeah. And then I did it at IRT in ninety six, and then I did it in Denver. Uh, playing a different role, playing the role that I'm playing now back in 2012. So, so. how's it to graduate? Because you, who'd, you, who'd you play before? I played both times at the Phoenix and uh, uh, in 96 at IRT at Indiana Rep. I played Lyons, the uh, illegitimate son of Troy, the main character. And now you're a dad. And now I'm the dad. You're, yeah. And grandpa. My, my really. brother loves that. Yeah, he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, you're playing the father now. Wow. <laughs> yeah, mm, yeah, your ass got old. You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, quite, quite a transition. So since you know, since you're obviously more than familiar with the script, I would say how how has this experience been compared to the last time you uh, you you played this character? Well, um, I the last time I played this character, correct? Uh, it's it's gotten deeper. Um, you know, the, the play was directed by Lou Bellamy, who was a, a founding artistic director at Penumbra Theater, African American theater company up in the Twin Cities, and uh, uh, he and his brother Terry Bellamy, who was in this production, who plays Gabriel. Uh, Troy's brother, who was wounded in the war uh, and is now kind of uh, mentally uh, uh, handicapped, um, they were with August Wilson helping him at the time to become August Wilson. So they know the play better than probably anybody. So uh, in Denver, we had a guy who was, who was great, 
great as Gabriel. Um, this time around with Terry Bellamy playing Gabriel, the, the relationship with Troy and his brother deepened, uh, and it, it just kind of spreads and evolves over the entire play. And it's, it, it just really informs us a lot about Troy and, and, uh, uh, and the overall scope of Troy and his overall arc because it's just so much deeper, you know, so much richer, and you get to see a depth of Troy that, that I don't know that I had in Denver. Now, for those who, just a reminder, you, you play an, uh, an ex-ball player. He's an ex, ex, a Negro League ball player who, is, uh, who uh, is, is bitter because of a lost opportunity. Uh, he felt he had the opportunity to play in the, in the, in the major leagues, um, didn't get it. And uh, just like probably all of those ex-Negro League ball players, he's, he's very bitter about it. Uh, and he's a, a man who's pulled himself out of the gutter, literally, uh, uh, made his way up north. Uh, has led, uh, 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 you know, got a family, got kids, raising a family, got a good job uh, as a garbage collector, which was a good job for a black man in the 50s, um, led a protest to become a driver, even though he couldn't drive, mm-hmm. and has made his way to the top of a mountain only to find that it's a garbage heap. Um, you know, so he's just trying to manage the transition. Uh, uh, I put it in, in in terms of your other show, from blues to jazz, there's a transition that he's that he's <laughs> right. he just can't seem to make. You know that transition of life, that evolution of life, and he's and he's kind of stuck, and uh, uh, and you just kind of watch him maneuver with his family and uh, lots of things, father and son, the uh, sins of the father, uh, infidelity, all these kinds of things that. Um, that we see in movies these days. I think uh, what you're so, saying is you, you want to live in the Cotton Club, but you're stuck in a North Mississippi exactly, joint. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I got that. Yeah. So, well, it's interesting because I know, uh, we'll say, when was the last time you did Fences before this? So how long uh, ago? Uh, Denver back in 2012. 2012. All right. Yeah, four because years ago. I think what happens is we've, we've all been there. We're, we, we've done a show, and you think just as you're about ready to get your rhythm going, it's over. It's over. Yeah. So and you're like, gosh. Well, so, this so- was lasted very long. This has been a co-production. So I've been I've been on this production since uh, uh, the beginning of the year. We, okay. We, uh, we were in Tucson in January, uh, in Phoenix in February at the Arizona Theater Company. Beautiful weather out there in January, February. Just in case you want to know. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then we're here, and we close this weekend, and then we uh, take a couple of weeks hiatus, and then we head to Milwaukee to the Milwaukee Rep. Okay. And run for a month there. So, I mean, oh. after the Denver experience, did you have that of, man, I'd love to keep going with this, and now you got, and then finally when you got the chance. Well, you, it, it's, 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 um, it, I don't know. It, I, I had that. There were other feelings. You know, sometimes you have characters that, for whatever reason, you can't seem to escape, uh, that, that characters that haunt you, uh, characters that uh, uh, just stay with you. And Troy, and I was reminded of that by Lou Bellamy, who, who played Troy for like I think nine months in the late '80s? He said uh, uh, this character, you know, it'll be hard to get rid of him. And I'd find myself over the last three or four years uh, spending time with Troy because he wouldn't go away. Um, and I think a part of that is finding and understanding the part of myself that's like him, mm-hmm. and and that just kind of bubbles up to the surface, and you find yourself not being able to get away from this guy. So, um, so, so yeah, that, and also the other part of okay. I, I want to tackle it again because I think I can take it to a different level. Uh, so yeah, so it, it, it goes both ways. Cool. Once this production is done, do you do you think you'll uh, have Never. him still hanging around, or do you uh, think you'll be able to put that to bed? I'm going to have to put him to bed, and and I'm going to have to come and get a lightsaber from you <laughs> to right. fight his ass to get rid of him because he's going to have to go away. We will. He's going to have to go away. Help. So uh, I mean, he's, he's he's quite you know he's he's very bitter. He's a he's a he's a, he's a, a titan in the world in which he lives. Uh, he's a very he's a, a bitter man, uh, a good guy, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of him, and uh, it's not some something you want to carry with you. So, so you, you you're not going straight to the chatterbox after after no. doing your show. No, I, I'm 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 <laughs> self medication, decompress, decompression, <laughs> big time, rest, single malt. Nice. Yes. We, we need. By the way, we need to we need to fix it. So the next time if if you see David and I out. Um, it's fine. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whether one of us is carrying the other, we're fine. Right, exactly. <laughs> fine. So, yeah. uh, and of course, this is a part of August Wilson's 10-play anthology about American history. Mm-hmm. Have you done all 10? I have done eight of the 10. Well, okay, what are, care, anybody care to guess what two he did not do? No, that would be no, terrible. That no, that would Okay, <laughs> okay which, which two have you not Piano done? Piano Lesson and... Um, Joe Turner's come and gone. 
other two okay. that I have not Wow. Done. So, yeah. So, just to recap, Gem of the Ocean. Yes. Marais Black Bottom. Yes. Seven Guitars. Twice. Saw your seven guitars. Uh, Fences, of course. Yeah. Two Trains Running. Yes. Jitney. Yes. Really like Jitney. Uh, King Headley II. Yes. And, of course, Radio Golf. Right, right. Oof. Yeah. I think Emma. Emma's first one was, was Piano Lesson. That's a hard start. It's a hard start. <laughs> um, I wasn't in that production here. No. And uh, it, it is a hard start. It, it's a... Um, Where would you... I mean, would you start chronologically, or is there... What do you think might be the August Wilson 101? I think Fences is the... It's always been considered the most accessible hmm. uh, because, um, the, 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 you know, it's it's a man trying to raise a family. Mm-hmm. Um at at the at a turn of turn of the, uh, the period of time when when we're going from the fifties to the sixties, there's a lot of things going on in the world, and uh, and he's the most common in many ways, um, of all the characters, um, it, and it's a play that even though, because you focus so much on the specificity of these people and this culture, if you get it right, then it expands itself and allows for people outside of the culture to find a connection. So there have been times to walk out or or. or uh, at an opening night and have a a, a a huge, large white man walk up to me with, with red eyes and say, hey, that was my father. Um, or have a woman say, that was my mother and the way she dealt with my father. Or, or mm-hmm. the boys say, my, uh, my dad treated me like that. And, you know, things like that. It, it's, uh, so it, it, became, it becomes a universal thing. So it, I think Fences is a good one to start. But they're all, I think Jim of the Ocean is, um, is a, a really incredible Incredible way to start it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. Um, so depending on when you're listening to this, IRTLive.com. And, uh, yeah, David's always you're, – you're, you, both of you are always solid. It's, you. It's been fun to watch you guys. You know, I, I, With Brian, I saw a Shakespeare play I never thought I'd see last year, which was <laughs> a lot of fun. And another – talk about uh, decompression. Self-destruction. Yeah, I did Time of Athens last fall, oh, where? which it's hardly ever done. Where? But uh, it, it's a it was a brand new tiny tiny Shakespeare festival called Bard Fest, which okay. was taking place up in Carmel. Okay. Uh, in which uh, they're they're coming back this year. I don't know what the lineup is uh, exactly. I think they're yet. doing Hamlet. I know Hamlet is one that they're doing because uh, uh, I, I was talking with certain people about that. And nice. uh, but yeah, that is happening. Uh, I think later. Yeah, later this uh, this summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we're in theatrical shout-outs, um, these two gentlemen know the smarter two-thirds in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you make the trek to Richmond, it's 70 minutes from here to Richmond. Mm-hmm. I think you can get to downtown. You can get to Richmond faster from downtown than you can Carmel, Zionsville, and Fishers. Mm. But uh, but this weekend and next weekend is uh, You're in Town, the musical. Hey, it's a musical not based on a movie. Uh, not yet. And uh, that is happening this weekend and next weekend. My wife is directing it. My daughter is playing Sally. Mm. So it's always good to see her on stage being directed by mom. And it is just genuinely entertaining. It's it's such a solid, solid script. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's so well written that you can imagine, uh, you know, not such a great performance of it still being entertaining. Mm-hmm. For every every performance I've ever seen of it, though, has been fantastic, and I'm yeah. sure it will be at Earlham as well. Right, and it's it's also, I mean, and it's also a, a kind of a, a spoof of the high concept, almost operatic musicals like Three Penny Opera mm-hmm. or The Mikado. Um, so that that is happening uh, this weekend and next weekend, and of course in uh, June. We have the Richmond Shakespeare Festival happening back in the gorge uh, outside in, uh, well, the old Jeanette factory space in uh, Richmond, Indiana. And my lovely wife will be directing Comedy of Errors. And apparently, David, our mutual friend, Patrick Flick, will be directing uh, King Lear. Cool. Uh, this cool. will be the, f- no, the, I actually, I saw King Lear um, at universe, the University of Indianapolis uh, this past fall, mm-hmm. which was uh, a good time for that. And I was in a production of King Lear where your with, wife with, was yeah, the incredible. Most, the, most, the most beautiful goneril on the face of the earth. Oh, and uh, I still tell the story of – by the way, welcome to stage <laughs> sociology here. I know um, what story you're going to tell. Yes, this is, this is one. So I got to see the show once. I got to see a dress rehearsal of it, long story. It was in July of – Emma was, I think, seven or eight. 2008. So she was seven. Mm-hmm. And we get to the final scene. Spoiler alert on King Lear. Shut up. Um, you know, he's bringing <laughs> Cordelia out. And as the father of a daughter, this scene tears me up every time, mm-hmm. and especially after Emma was born. So, and we had a, you guys had a wonderful New York actor playing Lear who he was one of those guys, kind of got a little 
caught up in the moment, mm-hmm. especially when he's bringing his daughter's body onto stage. And it was in a black black box, mm-hmm. and there were seatings on rail you know, on on risers with the railings. Mm, very intimate. And you're you're of course behind uh, Lear. I played the, Kent. Uh, playing Kent. Yeah. And and of course the way Lear enters is he howls in agony mm. before coming onto the stage with his with his dead daughter. And uh, he didn't realize how close he was to the railing. So the final moment, I'm going to go back from the mic a little bit, went a little something like this. How? Ow! <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. How? I'm okay. And how? And so then the final moment happens, and there's a stage manager at the edge of the stage with an ice bag waiting for blackout to happen, and and then that happened. And so I remember going up to the girl playing Cordelia. Oh, it was so bad. It was so – it's funny now, but yeah. you know, that, at the initial moment, we thought, oh, concussions. Yeah. By the way, new on DVD this mm-hmm. week. But um, <laughs> but but I saw the girl playing Cordelia, and I, went, I told her, I said, I was ready to cry because this is yeah. – and, and yeah. then I couldn't because you actually got hurt. Got hurt. So then we were we – When were, you're dead. Right. So then <laughs> – then we were gonna bring, we were gonna all chip in and get her a football helmet, <laughs> um, or something like. That. So then it was Kent's job. I heard from then on, you had to, you would physically pivot just Lear. Make sure he leaned a little to the left, <laughs> oh, to save her head. But 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 then we still, heard, she would tell stories that she could hear the railings near yes. her ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was never comfortable because he was caught of up. He no, was caught of course. Up in the moment. <laughs> so he he start down. I'd push him over and. Yeah. So that yeah, was funny. I. Uh, it's funny now. Yeah. That it's, was funny. It <laughs> was hilarious. But yeah, that sorry was, you missed your moment of, of tears. But uh, no, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm yo. It's, it's all right. Well, and then um, it was we, a really good production. It's, it was excellent. It was an excellent production. Excellent. And uh, Lynn was amazing. If Gosh. we do say so, she, her uh, ourselves. But yes. yes. She was but amazing. but that was fun because that also felt like summer camp. Because you guys yeah. were living in the dorms. Living in the dorms. Um, LaSalle's Desales uh, University. University in Lehigh Center, Valley. Center Valley, uh, PA. Center Valley, yeah. And, uh, uh, Pennsylvania Shakespeare Festival. We, we had these off-campus housing, and there were fire bonfires. Bonfires in the back. Bonfires lots, and liquor. Lots of liquid. Yeah. Um, and Good Emma. And, and, and Emma. And, uh, yeah, Emma. Emma Rose. This is, and this is why Emma likes to be the token child in grown-up plays, oh, yeah. I think, among others. Yeah. So, no, so I had my moment of that was last summer we were rehearsing Titus Andronicus. Mm-hmm. And we get to the big scene, and uh, now I have I have allergies. Allergies are not my friend. I, uh, all of my characters have allergies. Right. Benedict, Moriarty, Saturninus, <laughs> Sea Captain, they all have allergies. I, I've informed my directors. You know, <clears throat> it's not a choice. It's like it's like uh, Will Ferrell and Melinda and Melinda. All of his characters have a limp. Uh-huh. All of my characters have allergies. So we, I'm dead, and we the, the crown goes to Lucius, and you have everybody on stage going, all hail Lucius, and I go <laughs> <laughs> sneezing on stage, dead. So, um, mm. Brian, mm. have you had have you had dead stories where you're not dead on stage? <laughs> Anything uh, like that? Now that uh, we're swapping these stories, unfortunately, I've stayed dead every time <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to be dead. You've done your job. Yeah. <laughs> well, fortunately, in Timon of Athens, uh, you know, Timon just leaves the stage, and then somebody else comes on and tells people he's dead. He's it's dead. Kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. He's dead, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> That's a and you, that's a that's a hard role. I forgot how hard a role that is. Besides the the, maybe the both shows that we were just mm-hmm. talking about, but the the stage time y'all have, it's 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 nonstop. It's no. daunting. <laughs> it's daunting. It's it's salt salt tablets and Gatorade. I would say, do, do, yeah. does your character drink on stage all the time? Okay, so that but, helps. Well, but it's it's a gin bottle and it's just water. Well, mm. yes, but I know. But, well, but at least does, you have it, those moments. It of, does help. It does yeah, my, help. You know what? My character, also Dave, is going to come over yeah, here and to get some water. <laughs> you're making me tired. Yep, exactly. So, yeah. well, cool. So there's anyway. That's, that's yeah. We still we still joke about poor poor Cordelia yeah, and her poor head. Cordelia. So yeah. we mentioned concussion. That's out on DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> Moving on. Um, no, I saw it, and I guess because I guess uh, chronic. Uh, 
chronic head trauma is not nearly as sexy a title as uh, as concussion. Mm. Uh, this is the film that you know, of course, is the one with Will Smith, and uh, and 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 Jada didn't go to the awards because her husband wasn't nominated for this. By the way, not not really deserving. No. Mm. Um, the problem was HBO or I'm say PBS did a really fun, fine documentary about this subject matter. Mm-hmm. So I guess this is for people who know nothing about football whatsoever. Mm. So it, they, you'll probably get a lot out of it if you haven't. But interesting. For the rest of this, a, a lot of football fans that I've talked to who didn't want to go see it because they didn't want it to taint hmm. the their, American Gladiator image. Oh yes, I'm just you watching know. people yeah, get bashed for our entertainment. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I understand that, but yeah. you know you kind of have to. Now I'm also the guy that you know could eat a hot dog and read the jungle at the same time. Mm. So <laughs> you know it was also my, well my dad. There was a period also. My dad was a doctor, and uh, there was a period in the late '80s where he would watch like Seagal and Chuck Norris movies, and he watched somebody get you know some thug get manhandled. And he's like. Phew. I don't have to take care of that. Right. <laughs> and then, of course, like, well, Dad, how, what would happen if somebody's arm bent the other way? Well, I'd have to put it in splint and do all this. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, he start telling you what would happen if you had to go into the ER with this. Well, of course. What would you do? Mm. I messed with Seagal. Mm. <laughs> what, Brian? Well, I mean, uh, I, I can't imagine uh, you know, concussion ruining your football experience because being a Lions fan, uh, you know, a football game is a horrific experience Ooh. for you anyway. Ooh. <laughs> Shh, listen to the silence. That is a tragedy. <laughs> that was a low blow. Nah, a it, true low you know blow, what? a low one. Because if it wasn't him, it'd be you. Mm, well, because you know, because say what you will, the Raiders have actually won something in your lifetime. <laughs> hey, and I'm hey four Viking Super Bowl losses too. So <laughs> yes, that you is know, true. So, it's not so. Like I'm rooting for the best. Wow. See, you know what? How about I lay down so you can step on my neck easier? <laughs> that's that's good. All right. Also on Blu-ray and DVD this week and. And yeah, I already bought it. But uh, Tarantino's Western, The Hateful Eight, fun, enjoy it. Yeah. So also, I, get, I we finally get to say, featuring the music of Oscar winner Ennio Morricone. Yeah, mm. much much deserved. Mm. Um, this was Emma's first Tarantino movie in the theater. Hashtag mm. Family Values. Mm. All right. Um, people talk about Django being his western. Eh, that's more. That's more of a revenge film. Hateful Eight is his western. Mm. It is his. Rio Bravo, which of course was later made in Assault on Precinct 13. Mm. Um, and then remade as a crappier version yeah, of that Assault was, on that Precinct was, 13. That was, yeah, that was not needed. <laughs> but uh, but no, fun performances across the board. Um, yeah, Walter Scott, Walter Coggins and Samuel L. Jackson. It's kind of reminiscent if you, if you remember films like The Scalp Hunters and Skin Game where mm. they don't like each other but they wind up having to work together, mm. which is like every other buddy cop movie in the last 40 years. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee, she she got my vote for best supporting actress. Uh, no disrespect toward Alicia Vikander, mm. uh, but just just a fun fun western. Mm. So and that's out there. So I would say the bigger screen you have, the better you're, it's going to be. I, I would still love to see a seventy millimeter print of it, but yeah. I don't live in Cleveland and I don't live in Chicago. So there. Um, here's a question: Did anybody who asked for a remake of Point Break? Anyone? Anyone? Good. No, Moving. no, can't, can't think of anything. <laughs> there you go. Moving on. There's well, the that. trailer looks good. Well, was it, that's the trailer's job. Yeah, that's the trailer's job. Honestly, the best thing to come out of Point Break was the joke about it in Hot Fuzz. Well, and I think, well, Key and Peele's Cat also, you know, that yes. film's coming right. out next month as well. A <laughs> um, couple old titles of note on the DVD and Blu-ray. Criterion has two films, uh, Bicycle Thieves, if you're into uh I think what fifties, forties Italian cinema. Fifties, I think. Fifties, and uh, for you Star Wars nerds, and if you love Star Wars, you I think it is required. You have to watch first. You have to watch Silent Running, because that's where the bot inspiration comes from. Yes. And by the way, I, there was the that was one of the first signs of hipsterism from Emma because Emma thought Silent Running was better than Star Wars. Um, but the mm. other one, that Criterion, <laughs> I know. I know. Hey, talk to the fourteen-year-old. Uh, dude, get your kid right. <laughs> wow, no. Uh, but the other one that's out on Criterion Blue right now, Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress. Oh well, yeah. If you're yeah, a Star Wars fan, you've got to watch that. So mm. you have you have a princess. You have a woman. Even if who's, you're not a Star Wars fan, you got to watch. Yeah, it. it is. You have you have a woman who is a princess who's been kidnapped, and there is a a rogue uh, Ronin. Samurai type character who's who is played by Toshiro Mifune, of course. Uh, who also, I'm going to word this carefully, like Sam Jackson, also has a wallet that says "Bad MF" on it. <laughs> I wouldn't um, doubt it. But yeah, but he's there, of course, with two bumbling uh, comedic relief sidekicks 
So it could be human, could be droids. You get the idea. Yep. But uh, anyway, that's that's where Star Wars came from, the Hidden Fortress. Um, also, because you need these on Blu-ray, apparently. Michael Cimino's The Sicilian with Christopher Lambert mm. before uh, pre-Highlander, I believe. Um, the Gong Show movie from 1980. I didn't realize they made a movie. I no. saw it in the theater with my parents. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a thing. That that is a thing. And if you need this on Blu-ray, so you can see Angie Dickinson much clearer, Big Bad Mama, <laughs> with Ooh. William Shatner. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a thing. I so. think that's when I fell in love with her. Yeah. Yeah, back in the day. Real Bravo was pretty good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, her hanging out with the Rat Pack. Although you know, check that. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, and of course, the Force Awakens comes out on DVD. Uh, on that's Blu-ray. next week. That, well, next week. Okay, that is well, next week. Mm-hmm. So, okay, um, got an, the other segment here. This is uh, I love Christopher Lloyd from the film Yap. This I, this might be his finest contribution to the show. Doing our uh, the annual show of uh, dead people we like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a pretty big one this we week. We don't yeah. have time for dead people we don't like. <laughs> yes. Because celebrity obits is so boring, so <laughs> dead people we like. Um, the, the big one, of course, that happened yesterday was was uh, Academy Award winner Patty Duke, mm. uh, age sixty nine. Um, was so here here. Think about what you were doing when you were twelve, and she was on she was on Broadway in The Miracle Worker, and of course, three years later became at that time the youngest Academy Award winner for the film version. So I, I remember hearing stories of her and Anne Bancroft. It was like the scene in Jaws where they're showing their battle scars, mm. <laughs> you know, because of the kitchen scene. Um, but uh, was in film prior to that. I forgot. She was. This is a film I've heard about but have not seen from 1958 called The Goddess with Kim Stanley and Lloyd Bridges with screenplay by Patty Chayefsky. So that's one I want to check out. She was also in the David Niven Mitzi Gaynor film Happy Anniversary from 1959. Uh, then, of course, did The Miracle Worker in 62. And by the way, if also her autobiography, Call Me Anna, what a gut-wrenching experience. Mm. I mean, I think uh, with the exception of Mommy Dearest, probably set the bar as far as the tell-all, no- the tell-all book. Mm. Um, you know, horrendous childhood and and early adulthood and and just with struggles with alcoholism and being depression and bipolar. Um, so it was interesting that right at because of her handlers, right after the Miracle Worker, she starred in the Patty Duke show as Identical Cousins, mm. a show the experience that she did not have fun with. Um, starred in the bizarre musical Billy from 1965, where her da- where your when your dad is Jim Backus. That's a gene pool. Um, but playing a tomboy torn between uh, beating boys at sports and trying to get an actual boyfriend. And then last night I watched it for the first time in a while, the 1967 melodrama Valley of the Dolls. This was going to be her her foray into grown-up acting. Director didn't like her, did not like her, and it showed because she gives us some major scenery chewing in this one mm. and uh, was given no direction whatsoever. It is it is a lot of fun if you have a lot of cocktails in you watching this. Um, would love to see a stage version of this someday. Sky Point, Ron Spencer. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know that would have been the type of thing he would do. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, Valley of the Dolls. Hope you're listening in yeah. Mexico. Yeah, if you're right, listening right, on right, WFYI.org, right. dot org, yeah, right. Buenos Dias, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> have a have a margarita for us, man. <laughs> Um, that was 1967. 1969 starred in Me, Natalie, the story of kind of a, an outsider moving into Greenwich Village, meeting an artist. Also a film of note, Al Pacino's film debut was in this picture. And, of course, in the 70s did a lot of TV, but, of course, she was one of the 20 uh, big-name people forced to be in 1978's The Swarm where Michael Caine's fighting the bees. <laughs> also a film he probably didn't see but saw The View of the House. <laughs> Um, 1979, of course, finally got to play Ann Sullivan in the TV film version of The Miracle Worker with Melissa Gilbert. And, uh, again, lots of TV up until her death. Uh, she was also Mrs. Boyle in the 1992 film version of Prelude to a Kiss. Mm. So, salute, Patty. Long life. I know, a real roller coaster of a lifetime, but very memorable. Mm. And I watched the Patty Duke show a lot in the 90s. That was on... Cable a lot. Yeah. So she was also married to John Astor. She was right, married to John right. Astor for a while. Yeah. There was there was a oh wait till you meet my mother, a thriller where she's being stalked by a uh, 
I think the series hadn't started yet. Richard Thomas. Yeah. Huh. So, but yeah, she was also married to John Aston. So there you go. Identical cousins and Gomez. And they made Sean, among others. So. Yes. Huh. Um, Frodo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we were mentioning earlier, apparently, ha- you know, if you're if you're an original cast member or in the film version of 1776, check your insurance because Ken Howard passed away a couple weeks ago. And, of course, he was SAG president, as was Patty Duke. And uh, James Noble died at the age of 94. I, I feel terrible because he's one of those guys I thought he was already dead. Mm. Um, best known as playing the governor on Benson. But was in the, of course, the film and uh, on stage is the Reverend John Witherspoon from New Mm, Jersey in 1776. Was also in 10, Blake Edwards film, as well as being there, playing the priest in Airplane 2 and in the film Chances Are, among others. So, um, William Daniels just turned 89, still kicking. As is Blythe Danner. So knock on wood. So there is there is that. Um, Margaret Bly, a woman probably best known. She was in the original Italian job from 1969. Was also in films like Ombre, Ash Wednesday, uh, Waterhole Number 3, Hard Times, Final Chapter, Walking Tall, Little Darlings. Oh, yeah. Tatum O'Neill versus uh, Chrissy McNichol at summer camp. <laughs> um, the Gingerbread Man, the Robert Altman film from 2005. And then finally, Shannon Bolin, who uh, mostly a stage actress, but she played Mrs. Uh, she played Mrs. Boyd in Damn Yankees, in the original Broadway run, and then got to do the film in 1958. Mm. Um, other note, other credits. Yeah, she was on the Patty Duke Show in 1964. She was in the 1980 thriller The Children and the 1978 god awful melodrama If I Ever See You Again, a man, a film written, directed, and starring. Um, the gentleman who directed uh, the film version of You Light Up My Life. Ponder that. Yeah, jo- Joseph Brooks. And by the way, when you look up information on Joseph Brooks, not a good guy. Not mm. a good guy at all. So um, so there we go. Um, that's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, David, do you remember the last film you got to watch freely? Uh, Black Mass. Oh, Johnny Depp as Johnny Whitey. Depp. See, yeah. so he he took a break from uh, he he took a break from Tim Burton. But you told you told us off air you didn't like it. Yeah, well he mumbled. I, I, didn't, I didn't, you know, he didn't. I didn't learn anything. He was Brando esque. Yeah, I didn't learn anything about him. You know, he uh, got you know got some people who were going to roll over, and then we saw him do what we already knew that he did. So show me something he didn't do. Okay. Why did he do that? Where did he come from? I didn't get it. I didn't get any of that. Southie guy, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It wasn't that interesting to me. So, Brian, what was the last film you watched with Beatrice in the room? With BB in the room. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Remember, first year you're 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 free. Yeah, I know. We uh, we usually wait till she goes to bed now because okay. she goes to bed a little bit early. So. All right. So, what was the last yeah. one you watched with Monica? Oh well, I mean, last last movie we saw in the theater was The Force Awakens. Uh, back in January, but actually we uh, we we did we did get out in January to see the uh, the screening at the IMAX of two thousand one. Oh, how was, was that? Oh, it was amazing! It was amazing. I tried uh, talking the fourteen year old into it, but it didn't yeah. it didn't happen. The print they had wasn't exactly pristine, but uh, but it was. It was, came it was a seventy millimeter print of two thousand one, mm-hmm. so you can't really complain. There. Did you uh, smell colors and see sound? Uh, in, in something like that, I think. <laughs> Bill Bill Walton improves. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here are some words to live by. Silent breed is people. Zardoz has spoken. Brian Hart, David Anderson, thanks for hanging out. Good time, man. It's good to see you. Good thanks to see you. Guys. Thanks for inviting me. We should have a five-hour brunch. After the show. I'm hungry. I know you are. (laughs) All right, go see a good movie, folks. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good night, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, Michigan. Good afternoon, California. (laughs) 